0: All right, exciting day. We are starting a series, Heroes of the Faith. <sighs> How many of you need to be filled with courage and hope and faith? and, mm, We are leaky vessels. We leak. We have to get refilled, you know? Um, so I'm excited about this series, and it's going to um, go through October and into November. And I am not the only voice you're going to hear during this series from this house. So that's fun. We're so blessed in this house. There's so many folks who are here who are so gifted um, in explaining God's word and and bringing truth. And so you're going to get to hear more voices than just mine from this house during this series. But we're starting today, um, Heroes of the Faith. I'm going to start with Psalm 20. Psalm 20. Um, if you're turning there or getting there on your phone, whichever, whichever you're doing, um, let me just say um, there, again, are cards about the series. And also, um, if you're on Facebook, there's a um, little video recap. So keep sharing that because we'll be in this for the next, like, six weeks. You can keep sharing that if you've got friends who you think would be encouraged by that. Don't Don't be fooled. Life is a series of nudges. Life is a series of nudges. You know, um, a third grader who's told like, hey, you're a really good writer. Um, Something can stick at that age where they're like, that's what I'm going to do with my life. And they, you know, life is a series of nudges where someone sees something in you or encourages you in a certain way. And you're like, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll go there. Maybe I'll, really, a lot of our big decisions were a nudge somewhere along the way. And you just never know people in your life who don't know Jesus. Those little things, posting a video or, you know, whatever, an invite, whatever, you just never know. Those little nudges, what they do and how they come at just the right moment. Because we're not just in our own strength doing that. The Father is drawing all people to himself. And so he makes these divine appointments. So I encourage you, um, invite people. Psalm 20, here we go. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. What is your faith in? What are you trusting in? Every single person in this room is going to face circumstances that are difficult, that are hard, that could be crushing. We live in times where there is so much turmoil um, and so many different voices saying, here's how you solve these problems. And most of what they're saying can't build kingdom things, life-giving things right? Because they don't have the life givers. They don't know how to solve the problems. Um, What are you putting your trust in in those times, those personal times, or just living in the times you live in? What is your trust in? And Psalm, the psalmist in Psalm 20 says, some are going to trust in horses and chariots. They're great armies, right? Because if you lived in a day where you fought most your life over land, um, you thought a lot about how much strength you had, right? How much military might you had, So some people would put their trust in horses and chariots, but he said, we put our trust in the name of the Lord, our God. We remember the name of the Lord, our God. There were slaves in Egypt for 400 years who marched out one day, had been slaves, had zero military, had zero armaments, had nothing like that. They marched out of Egypt one day and the Egyptians were so glad to see him go because of what God had done In the previous weeks, they were throwing gold and silver at them as they left. And once they left, Egypt, which was the greatest empire on the earth at the time, sent all of their horses and chariots after them to bring them back and enslave them. God parted the Red Sea. His people walked right through it. The horses and chariots of the Egyptians came behind them, and God stopped parting the waters. <laughs> and in one day, in one day, the greatest empire in the world lost their entire army. All of their horses, all of their chariots were defeated by a group of slaves that didn't have one sword. Come on, like we need hankies. In this. No one cares hankies anymore. That's a hanky the greatest army in the world, and one day was defeated. All of their horses, all of their chariots, all of their armaments, defeated, drowned by a group of slaves. Why? Because they trust in the name of the Lord our God. They didn't even trust very well, honestly. These weren't a great group of people, <laughs> but they at least kept doing what he said. They walked through the dry land when the water parted. They could have been like, I'm not doing that. The water could fall. They did it. Some put their trust in chariots and horses, but we remember the name of the Lord our God. Some put their trust in their money to get messages out. Some put their trust in the fact that they can put their opinions on the airwaves. Some put their trust in manipulating people. Some put their trust in all kinds of things. But if you will put your trust in the name of the Lord your God, there is no plan he has for your life that can be thwarted. None. There is no plan he has for this country and for this world and for the generations alive today that can be thwarted if his people will put their trust in the name of the Lord our God. Not in politicians, not in If we will put our trust, God can work through all those things, but our trust has got to be in the name of the Lord our God. So, we're talking about heroes, heroes of the faith. So, what's a hero? A hero, very blandly put, is the right person at the right time, with the right qualities and the courage to overcome a challenge in a way that benefits many people. So, you can overcome challenges on a personal level, but a hero is overcoming challenges that benefit others. They get to benefit a large group of people. That makes them a hero. And often, heroes could have maybe not stepped forward and been okay. But they saw that others weren't going to be okay. And they had the right qualities at the right time, and they had the courage to step up and say, I'll walk into this challenge. Right? So, are you the right person at the right time? Psalm. 37.23 says, The steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in every detail of their lives. Are you the right person at the right time? Well, if you're a believer, your steps have been ordered of the Lord. So you are the right person at the right time. You were born at such a time as this, to quote the book of Esther. You were born at such a time as this. The challenges that the generations alive today face, you were born to be a hero. At such a time as this, you were born. It's not a mistake. I don't know, am I in the right place? Did I choose the right college? Did I choose the right town? Did I take the right job? Your steps are ordered of the Lord. And guess what? If you're listening for his voice, if you make a wrong step, he'll let you know. If my kids are helping me to bake, and I say, hey, we need a half a teaspoon of salt, and they grab the sugar, I'm going to say, yeah, no. They're both white granules, but we need that one, not this one. If their heart is to come alongside and help me, I'm not going to be like, well, I'll let them put it in. They'll learn their lesson. <laughs> good parents don't do that, and we have a good father. Are you doing what you know to do? Are you putting one foot in front of the other? then don't live in fear and anxiety that somehow you're going to get it wrong because the steps of the righteous person are ordered of the Lord. He delights in every detail of their lives. He knows what classes you're taking right now, this semester. He knows the new boss who just took the job of the old boss. And this new boss isn't so awesome, right? He he delights in every detail of your life. And even though I could move on, it's just so good the rest of it. Can I just read it really quick? Because it's so good. Because it builds your confidence, right? It goes on to say, Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Oh, so good. Once I was young and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or his children out begging for bread. Come on. The godly always give generous to others and their children are a blessing. Turn from evil and do good, and you will live in the land forever. For the Lord loves justice, and he will never abandon the godly. He will keep them safe forever. The godly will possess the land and will live there forever. The godly will offer good counsel and teach right from wrong. They have made God's law their own, so they will never slip from his path. The wicked wait in ambush for the godly looking for an excuse to kill them. Some of you feel like you're there right now. You have situations going on. But the Lord will not let the wicked succeed. Or let the godly be condemned when they are put on trial. Put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along his path. He will honor you by giving you the land. He will see the wicked destroyed. I have seen wicked and ruthless people flourishing like a tree in native soil. But when I looked again, they were gone. Have you been in a moment where you're like, God, the wicked are prospering. What is going on? I'm doing what I should. These people are not. They are prospering. And there's a challenge in that moment, right? To put your faith in something else. And worldly tools. But man, if you will stay on his path, they seem to be flourishing, but I looked again and they were no more. Though I searched for them, I could not find them. Look at those who are honest and good, for a wonderful future awaits those who love peace. But the rebellious will be destroyed. They have no future. The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them, and they find shelter in him. Are you the right person at the right time? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay, check number one. We are the right people at the right time. Do you have the right qualities? Do you have the right qualities to affect the life of many in amazing ways? Yes. Philippians 1.6. We are being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He who began a good work in you is still at work in you. He is working out his character in you, and he is going to complete the work. He will be faithful to bring it to completion. You might look at yourself and think, but this, but this, but this, but this. We're going to read a chapter today, and you'll see all of these heroes in Hebrews chapter 11, they had a lot of reason to discount themselves. But he who began a good work in you is still at work, and he will complete it. Amen? Amen? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those who've gone before us in the faith, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Think about this. What is he telling us? The author and finisher of your faith is Jesus Christ. Well, what's his resume? Um, He just conquered everything in the world um, through his death and resurrection and then was like, finished, sitting down at the right hand of God the Father. Done, right? Right? I don't know, I'm so, I'm so uniquely broken. Can God work in me? He's the author and finisher of faith, but I don't know. I'm such a unique challenge. Um, listen, he endured the cross, despising the shame, for the joy that was set before him, and then he sat down having done it. He can finish the work in you. Amen. If he can do that, he can finish the work in you. Are you the right person at the right time with the right qualities? If you're a believer, Jesus is at work within you and he, based on his character, is able to complete what he started in you. Yes, you are. Sometimes you've got to look at what he's done and not what he's still doing to gain some confidence. Right? Courage. A hero. The right person at the right time with the right qualities and the courage. Courage to step into a hard situation, a difficult situation, a challenging situation, an evil situation, a daunting situation. Hebrews 10.39, We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we belong to those who have faith and are saved. We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we belong to those who have faith and they are saved. That's our stock. That's the blood that runs in us as children of God, sons and daughters. Not people who shrink back. Where does the courage come from? Ah, as we abide in him, we remember who we are. We remember who he is. And we have courage. We have courage. What is courage? We've talked about it a lot here. What's courage? Courage. Courage is the ability to walk into situations where you don't get to control the outcome. All of our myths and stories are about those kinds of things. The knight who goes to slay the dragon, to save the city from the fires of his breath, right? Those are courageous stories because if something's breathing fire, you're you're not totally in control of that situation. There's a chance you could die. But if you conquer... A whole city can be saved, right? These are the stories we tell about courage. Why? Because it's about people who walk into situations where you and your humanness cannot control the outcome, and you actually have to have faith that God is with you and that he is working all things together for good. And God, I'm just going to be obedient to what you said, and I'm not going to look at all the circumstances that contradicted around me, but I'm going to believe you're in it. We talked about this a few months ago, but man, at some point, you have to be willing not to just have Jesus calm your storms, but you've got to be willing to walk into other people's storms to bring Jesus to calm it. You know what I'm saying? Like, at some point, Christianity can't just be about, God, I I need a little bit of this. I need, what are you going to come and do for me? At some point, you've got to know who he is and know who you are in him so you can walk into storms that aren't your own. And in the authority of Christ, calm it. That's when stuff really begins to roll, right? When our Christianity gets bigger than us and our needs and our pitifulness. Okay. Three of you are still with me. We have a little ways to go. Some of you might want to get back on the train. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Right person, right time, right qualities, with the courage to step out into a difficult situation for the benefit of many. Hebrews 11, this chapter. If you're new to the faith, you haven't read it. You, well, you're going to read it right now. That's what's going to happen. It's let it, let it, let it set you on fire. Because these people aren't different than you and me. In fact, we have the upper hand. Because the people in Hebrews 11 lived before Christ, conquered death and sin on the cross. The Holy Spirit was not dwelling within these people. He'd come and rest upon them at times, but he didn't dwell within them. Now, the power of sin is broken in our lives. We are now covered in the righteousness of, the righteousness of God in Christ. And the Holy Spirit is now dwelling within us, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So when you read this, don't think, well, yeah, but that was Abraham. Man, that was Abraham! He didn't have half of what you have or I have. So if God can do that through Abraham, imagine what he can do through you. Okay, here we go. Hebrews 11. Now faith is confidence that what we hope for, of what we hope for, and the assurance about what we do not yet see. So faith, what I believe to be true, doesn't actually have any physical indicators yet. That God's at work. That person you work next to with a bad breath who's really, really mean, who's totally hard, and you're like, man, that person is like going to hell in a (laughs) handbasket. Faith is the confident expectation that God so loved the world that even this person, the Holy Spirit, is drawing. That his kindness is leading even this person to repentance. Come on, come on. Faith is the assurance and confidence that what we hope for is being worked out. Even we don't see the physical signs of that. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe, the things we can see and touch and feel, the physical world, the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was made out of what is not seen. So everything we can touch and see and feel we put our faith in, it all came from the spiritual realm we don't see. So what's more real? This or the spiritual realities around this? Well, this came from that. The spiritual takes precedence over the physical. That's why Jesus can heal the sick. Until cancer leave a body and it goes, even though biologically this is impossible. This is why Catherine has normal kidneys. Even though you can't grow back kidney matter and you can't get rid of kidney disease, because the spiritual takes precedence over the physical. When we begin to agree in faith that what he said is true, more true than what I can see, I begin to see the spiritual manifest. We call it miraculous. Maybe it should be normal. Because this came from that. Okay? You're with me? All right. By faith, Abel, who you know gets murdered, right? Right? By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. So Abel did what was righteous, and because he did what was righteous, his brother murdered him. Well, that's not a very good end. Only if you see life in terms of as long as you're taking breath on this earth. When you see life in terms of eternity— you recognize that first blood that was spilled is still crying out to God. Abel, his life, is still making a difference in this world however many thousands of years later, or however you date it, and I'll leave that to you. (laughs) Right? Think about that. If he had lived to a ripe old age and died... We may not even know his name. But God says his innocent blood is still crying out to me. He is still speaking even though he's dead. Because he was righteous and he died for being righteous. That's powerful. When you see your life is what it really is, which is eternity. Okay. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Enoch walked so close to God that eventually he was just closer to heaven than earth, and God's like, just stay. Can you imagine your worship times? You're just getting so close to heaven, God's like, you know what, just stay here and people are like what happened to mark <laughs> what? where did mark go god took him they got to be too good of friends for him to be distracted by paying mortgages and stuff anymore that's a cool goal By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Think about this. Faith is like the evidence of things you don't see yet. There had never been rain. There had never been rain. There's going to be a flood because it's going to rain so hard. So I'm building this big boat. It's not even like he believed what God said. God made him do an act where everybody else would have to know what he believes God said. And laugh at him for years and years and years. And every time he was ridiculed, he had to decide, do I stay in agreement with God or do I get in agreement with the world? But I'll tell you what, it's only Noah's family who was saved when the flood came. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs of him um, and had the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God." And by faith, even Sarah, his wife, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he was as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand in the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive all the things promised, They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. So they didn't get to see the salvation of Jesus. They got to play a role, right, in this revelation history, this redemption history, but they never actually got to see the fullness of salvation that their lives were a brick in telling the story of. They looked at it from far off. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country um, of their own. If they had been thinking of a country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return to it. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Think about this. I'm going to give you a son of the promise. You're too old to have him. She's too old to have him. Imagine you're Sarah, you know, 90 years old, <laughs> you're having a baby. I don't even know if skin can stretch at that point. You know what I'm saying? 90 years old. And it's not even like people can be like, oh, that's not really her baby. She's just saying it is. She's nursing that baby. <laughs> there is no doubt this is her baby. This has really happened. So all this miraculous stuff surrounds him. Then what does God do? He challenges him. Are you willing to sacrifice him? which would have been a common thing in that area, really. Um, I mean, not super common, but it would not have been unheard of, right? Are you, would you be willing to give up your son? But wait a minute. It's the son of the promise. There are times when God will speak to you, and you will have to hang on to a promise, even though other things seem to contradict it. And the conclusion you'll have to come to, which Abraham came to, is, but God, you're good. So if you said this and you're saying this, somehow you will make the two meet. I can't see in my own logic how it can happen, but I believe you're good. Come on. The greater the storms that God's going to bring you into as a hero, right, to partner with him and see it calmed or see freedom come, the more that you're going to have to go through challenge of the promise. Otherwise, you will shrink during the storm. The storm will shrink you. There are things you are going to have to work through where you trust God and you believe him and you have to walk it out even though everything your eye sees contradicts it. Otherwise, there'll be storms in your future that will shrink you. And you can't be who you're called and meant to be in that place. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, two of you are rocking with me here. I'm gonna move down to Verse 31, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I don't have time to talk about all of the people of faith. Think about this. This is an important one. God is willing that none should perish. We think like, do I have the right qualities? Am I in the right person? Do I have enough? Do I have, think about this. God so desperately wants people to know his name and and have healed relationship with him that he's constantly looking out for anyone's heart who's turned towards him. Anyone's heart. Can I work through this person to save some? Can I work through this person, save them, save those around him? So he's looking around during the battle of Jericho and the entire city of Jericho, all the upstanding good citizens, all the people in Jericho, he doesn't find any whose heart are turned towards him except this one lady (laughs) who's willing to open up a corner of her heart and believe that maybe these spies do serve the true God and that she should get on their team? Who's the one person he can, he can work through in Jericho? Rahab, the prostitute. And does God say, man, if I could just find someone better, I would, but all I've got is Rahab. He gladly works through her and doesn't just say, oh, I'll save Rahab because she was willing to, but she's kind of sketchy. This is not what he does. <laughs> That's not what he does. He's so pleased that her heart is turned toward him that he says, anybody you can cram into your house, I'll save them too. For the sake of the righteous woman Rahab, the prostitute, I will save those she loves. Come on. The hero in Jericho is Rahab the prostitute. Let it sink in. Let it sink in the next time the accuser of the brethren comes to you and says, but what about this? I heard what you said last week. Think about that. Man, if God can work through Rahab the prostitute because her heart is turned toward him, listen, turning your heart towards him is something you can do right now in this moment. What can he do through you? And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions and quenched the fury of flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Those people who lived in those moments where there was persecution for those who believed would've been seen as outcasts, marginalized, right? There are, there are countries in this world where that's happening right now to believers. Our news doesn't report on it. But if you're listening to the information coming out of Nigeria and different places in the world, the world is not worthy of those people. We don't have time, we don't have time for, we don't have time for that. The world's not worthy of those people. You know, we think that the important people have movies made about them, books written about them. There are righteous people alive today who will never know their names. There will never be a movie made about them. But they believe him. They believe him. And even as they're being martyred, their blood will cry out to God, just like Abel's blood and the kernel of wheat that is somebody alone alive but falls to the ground and dies will bear much fruit in a harvest of souls before Jesus comes oh, okay. these were all commended for their faith yet none of them received what had been promised since god had planned something far better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So all this sacrifice, all these things he, they did, he's saying, all these lives that were sown now build in this story that ends in Jesus coming and dying and rising again and now gathering all the nations to himself through his people who carry his name and carry his presence. This is the better thing it's talking about. The fact the spirit of God now dwells within us and we are his people. We are his temple. And we get to reflect his glory. Three things. I want to leave you with before we respond to the Lord and pray. One thing you see through all these people of faith and we're going to talk about individual people of faith during the series. One thing we see is they won have faith. Here's the faith head. Faith. They began to believe him. Every single one of these people, whether it's Rahab the prostitute who had a day to decide if she believed, or whether it was someone like Abraham who'd heard of him, and right, they decided to believe him. Even though the things he said didn't coincide with what the world was telling them, they decided to believe God. They decided to believe him more than they believed their own eyes. This was a turning point in that hero walk. The second, and I want to call this adoration. But you see, all through these stories that we're going to tell over the next few weeks, that for these people who are heroes of the faith, there was an increasing awareness of him that began to consume their lives. And that's where the courage came from. That's where the courage came from. So much fills our mind all through the day. So many messages. So many, I mean, we live in a strange time right now. So many crazy things going on. You have to make a decision what you're going to fill your heart and your mind with. You got to turn the TV off. <laughs> I'm not saying you can't watch TV. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Every message and every sitcom it just feels antichrist to me. And I'm not saying there's nothing we enjoy on TV. I'm just saying like every single one we're filtering through because it's so far gone at this point. I'm not trying to bring condemnation they say don't watch TV. I'm just saying we, there's shows we watch. I watch Matlock. <laughs> there's a lot of murders in that. Not good. Anyway, I'm just saying... Be wise because the people that have megaphones right now in our culture don't understand him. And they don't understand his ways. You have got to fill your heart with his presence. You have got to fill your heart with his word. You've got to take time and just be in his presence. Let him speak to you. Because what he will speak is not what the world will speak. And the solutions he wants to bring through you to these difficult situations, you're not going to find in the world. You're going to find it at his feet. Because there is nothing I hear the world saying that will solve any of the problems that we see. Nothing. In fact, it will drive bigger wedges and more anger and more grief and more pain. And that's not what we're called to bring to the world. We're called to bring life, truth, justice, healing. That's only going to come through his strategies. You've got to sit at his feet and get them for the situations that you walk into. We have to learn again how to adore him. Like, he's our highest goal. He's our highest imagination. He's what fills my heart. We, uh, we have a couple of newly engaged people in the house. Uh, Nicole, who's not here today, because she's finishing up the engagement weekend, got engaged this weekend again. We didn't see it on Facebook. Yeah, so sweet. And of course, um, uh, Eric and Alyssa are getting married. There's a shower today, actually, right? I guarantee you, when Eric is making coffee at Jackson Coffee Company, he is not thinking about, I wonder what class is next semester. That's not what's filling his mind. I'm just going to think about my science classes next semester. (laughs) Now Eric, I don't mean to speak for you, but I'm guessing while he's making those cups of coffee, he's thinking, I wonder what Alyssa's doing. What's she thinking? I wonder if she's up yet. I wonder if she's, hmm, I wonder if she met up with that person. I wonder, hmm, how much longer till I get off? And, and, and where will she be when I get off work? Why? It's called adoration, right? Something has so filled your heart. You don't have to tell yourself, man, I should do devotions. Pfft. Wah, wah, wah. I slept through my alarm. If I really loved Jesus, I would do it. Our goal is to position our heart towards him and say, come and fill. Come and fill this cavernous place that I think is so full and so unique. Come and fill it with you. And now we want to draw near to him. Our thoughts just return to him naturally, Right? Because we've decided you are one thing, and so when other things compete for that place, when we want to think about everybody else's faults, we turn our minds instead to him. When we want to think about all the cares of this world, and we want to be anxious about it, we turn our minds toward him. Father, what do you want to speak about that situation? What do you want to do about that situation? How do I partner with you in that? Come on. Last thing. They had faith. They believed him. They began to allow him just to fill their lives, their thoughts, right? There was adoration. They're looking at him. Man, Abraham didn't even know where he was going, but he kept looking at him. He just kept telling his family, come on, keep walking. We're not there yet. He'll tell me when it's time to stop. He was just looking at him, adoration. And the third thing, they acted. They acted. They didn't shrink back. They didn't say, I don't know, maybe I, they were like, I think this is what God's saying. I'm going to take a stab at it. They had to actually begin to do what they believed he was saying and doing. They had to actually begin to do what they believed he was saying and doing. Well, but what if I get it wrong? They got it wrong sometimes. Read their stories. And what happened when they got it wrong? God corrected them. God said, yep, not that, this. And I mean, some of them made really big mistakes. Some of the big heroes of the faith made big mistakes. And we're still living with the consequences of some of their mistakes. Middle East, (coughs) Abraham, (coughs) thanks a lot. He was supposed to wait for the Son of the Promise. He didn't do it. And God said, I can't believe you. I gave you an awesome promise. Forget it. Forget it. You screwed up. I mean, he screwed up big. What does God do? I will still give you the Son of the Promise. He keeps walking with him. They had to act. At some point, you've got to say, I believe that God's nudging me to talk with my neighbor. I believe that God's nudging me to pray in this way about the situation. I believe that God is you. At some point, you've got to act. And if you get it wrong, just be humble and trust him that he's going to write you. Keep your heart humble. That's it. Keep your heart humble. So you're correctable. And then you can just trust him. He's going to guide you if you would stand. Worship to him if you would come. Prayer to him if you would come. Some put their trust in chariots and horses. But we remember the name of the Lord our God. You might be here today and you don't have a relationship with God. The spirit of God is not dwelling within you. The same power that raised Christ is not in you because you don't know him yet. Here's how you change that. You don't change it by doing good works. You're not going to change it by, you know what? I should become a better person. I'll just come to church. That's how it works. Here's how you change that. Here's how you enter into a relationship. You surrender to him. You say, I believe that what the Bible says about you is true, that you died and rose again for my sins. And now I'm repenting. I'm turning away from that life, and I'm turning toward you. You're Lord now. It's going to be your way, not my way. And when you position your heart and you do that, that's when everything changes. So for those of you in this room where you have not invited Jesus, right, you have not responded to his invitation to relationship, you're the first people that I care about in this room. And everyone's okay that you're my priority, believe me. There's folks back in that alcove. There's Kevin, and there's Kelly, there's Mary, and she'll have someone here up here, and there's Amber over here. These folks can pray with you today. It happens in a moment. It happens in a moment where you surrender your life to God. The second people want to call to is maybe you're sick in body. You need healing. Come and get prayer. Maybe God's stirring some stuff up in you. There's situations you feel like, man, listen, if you're the believer in that situation, then you are the right person at the right time. You're the one. You're not praying that another believer will join you and be the one to bring change in that situation. You're the one he put there. He trusts you. He believes in you. That's why he put you there. So maybe there are situations in your mind you're stirring up and you want to agree with somebody in prayer. Hey, God, stir me up. I feel like God's calling me to bring to bring change that will help many in the situation. I want to agree in prayer with somebody about that. Get prayer. Maybe there's other things that God stirred up during this word today and you wanna agree in prayer with somebody, you can do that. And listen, there's folks here that can pray with you, but any believer in the house can pray with you too because every single believer has the kingdom without measure. And Jesus can meet you because he's worthy to meet you. It's not based on their worthiness, it's based on his worthiness. But here's what we do. We'll have like a, a moment God speaking to us and we don't do anything with it and we leave. And then the cares of this world take over and we forget what he's saying. So, if he's speaking to you, if he's stirring something up right now, do something with it. Pray with someone. Begin to worship. Do something. Write it down in your journal. Whatever it is, do something with it. Because those moments when God speaks to us lead to transformation. So, we're going to take time to worship him. We're going to take time to respond in prayer. We're going to take time to listen to what he's saying before we go. Amen. write it down ask him what to do with it when he's speaking it's to bring us a transformation he's so good he's so good if you're a believer you are the right person at the right time with the right qualities and you can choose to have courage whatever place God has put you in it isn't by mistake he's not surprised by your brokenness he's not surprised by anything (laughs) have courage today Have courage today. Sometimes our greatest transformation and freedom from brokenness come to be to step out with Him. Don't wait to get perfect before you follow what He's saying. He's so good. Just like the Psalms said, He will lead you by the hand. He's ordered your steps, and He will lead you by the hand. He's good. He's good. Before we pray together, there's an old hymn. If you know it, you can sing it with me. I don't know, Shanna, you might know it. You younguns may know it. You might know it too. If you know it, the room sing loud because it's an old one. It's an old one. It goes like this:
1: I heard an old old story. How my Savior came from glory. How He gave His life on Calvary to save. A wretch like me I heard about his groaning of his precious blood atoning, then I read.
0: Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Young adults I know are going out to lunch. Youth are going out. If you're new, I'd love to meet you back by the coffee. God bless you.